So this morning, um, we're going to be diving into a new topic. Uh, we're going to be diving into uh, sin. The, the bigger overarching um, doctrine that we've been kind of digging into is just the doctrine of man in general. Uh, we've touched on several points along the way. Today we're going to be digging into to sin specifically. Uh, like I said prior to... Uh, opening us up in prayer. This is some. This is something that we're all very familiar with. Like if I say what is sin, like you all, like you know it personally what it is. We're going to kind of lay out a little definition of it. This is just so that we're all kind of working from the same, uh, same kind of frame of reference. But uh, sin itself is something that um, that I don't have to do much explaining for you to get uh, and understand what it is. So before we kind of get kicked off, I'm going to put out kind of a just a general definition um, to try to to try to encompass the the various um, areas in which sin uh, affects us, in which we see we see sin appearing. So uh, sin is a failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, in attitude, or in nature. So in act, that's the things that we do. Uh, attitude that would be like the way that we think um, in nature, and this is probably going to be the one that's the the like when we think about the place where we might would find the most disagreement. Nature is probably going to be that. That's who you are, right? So like uh, failure to conform in the way that you act, the way that you move and live your life, the way that you think, right? Like. Like we see various places in Scripture that thoughts are sinful, not necessarily even the actions, but the thoughts that would lead to actions are sinful. Um, and then Scripture seems to point out time and time again that that sin doesn't come and originate from external to us, right? Like clearly there are others who sin, but when we think about sin, sin comes from within us, right? Like, the world didn't make you do it ultimately. You did it because you desired it. Like, sin comes from within. And we're going to look at several places here. Um, there's, there's kind of three questions that sin answers wrong. It, like, like it, it, it provides a false reality to three uh, really big questions. So, one, the first question, what is truth? Sin always answers that wrong. What is right? So what's true? What's right? And then a third question that that sin uh, answers wrongly is who am I? Right. So we're going to look at a couple of places in in the opening chapters of Genesis to kind of get this thing kicked off. We're going to look. Uh, I think when I consider the 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 origin story of mankind and I see like what would seem to be like a small thing set everything um, off course like when we think about sin like we think about like you could, if I said think about the worst sin that you could imagine right being committed like you could think of a, a ton of different things and probably none of those is eating something that you shouldn't right like like that would probably like when we think about like the like eating something that we shouldn't we think of that as like some small like that's that's not really a big deal right and yet it's 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 this like act of eating a thing commanded not to eat that that set off this like like avalanche of 
sinfulness throughout all of human history, right? So like we look at this and we see this one specific case, this like simple case, like like that I think all of us can look and, and like dissect and see well, what's going on there and I think that we can see that, that what we see in the simple case is is, is extrapolated out into all all sin uh, that we uh, that we know. So Genesis let's let's flip to Genesis chapter two. Um, we're going to look at we're going to kind of examine the, those three questions uh, a little bit in this text. So Genesis chapter two. Um, we're also going to be kind of flipping over to Genesis chapter three there as well. And this is just kind of to kick us off. We're going to spend most of our time uh, this morning dealing with that nature portion. That's the portion that I think that we have the hardest time grappling with in our minds. So I want to spend some time looking at various uh, places in Scripture uh, that, that speak to this. So Genesis, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. So Genesis chapter 2, 16 and 17. Actually, I may just jump back up to 15. So the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, or that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So when we think back to, to the original state, God creating mankind, we've got the garden of Eden, uh, picture going on what what commands had been given at this point that they couldn't break like what was the commands that were given don't eat right and when we when we look and see this we see we see one like he's like you can you can eat of everything else and he gives it this seems in a lot of ways very trivial right like it seems like like you could God you could have commanded them a hundred thousand things not to do, but you commanded them not to eat of this one tree. Why not to eat of this one tree? Um, so I want us to kind of we're going to use this as a frame of reference for answering those those three questions uh, correctly, and then we're going to look over into Genesis chapter three, and we're going to look and see how sin causes us to answer those questions um, wrongly. So verse. Uh, or the the first thing here is we is we kind of dig into to verse sixteen and seventeen Genesis chapter two um, is what is true so what's true what can we pull from this um, that is truth for us regarding what God is saying here what are what are true things that we can extract from this we'll, we'll read it again and the Lord God commanded them saying you may surely eat of every tree of the garden so one truth there is what they could have eaten from every other tree there, but, verse 17, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. So what's true here? That God has given a command for the way that they should or the way that they ought to live, right? So this is a very simple command. You can eat of everything, just not this. That's simple to understand, right? Like what tree? If you if you were walking around the garden and they said, This is the tree that we should not eat from, how many of us would fail to understand what that means? And we all get that. Don't eat of that tree, and right? There were two trees that he mentioned. The yeah. wife and the one that knowledge. But, knowledge, yeah. You know, and and like that included they actually could eat of the tree of life. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. Because when you get over here and Satan tempts them. 
Yeah. Yeah. So so here we have God setting up this this picturesque scene. They can eat of everything. There is there is um nothing but blessings that God has put forward for them and he's given them a single command not to eat of the tree uh not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and he he tells them uh, uh, this is a true statement that he says here. Uh you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely Die. So, what other truth that he does he give them? So he he gives them a command, and then and then when he gives them a command, like the consequences of failure to that command is what? Death. Death. Is it true that when they eat of the this tree that they die? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's a, it's spiritual de- like like the the depths of what's laid out here is more than just physical right like they died and they otherwise could have continued eating from the tree of life and continued living right yet they disobey and punishment for that is death physical death comes spiritual death is instantaneous you can look at this in the way that the relationship between the creation and and the god that created them changed after they failed in the coming chapter right like now they're ashamed right like they're like would they know like guilt has come upon them right like they they now experience what we know the effects of sin to be right shame guilt like we we desire instead to flee from God rather than run to him right like these are all the things that they that they experienced in this um so another another the second the second question um that sin always gets wrong is here's what is right so was it right for God to command them not to eat of this tree can God give commands why Okay, let's understand this because this helps us to get it at the third question that sin always gets wrong. So God can command because He is the Creator God. And His commands are are, are loving yes. and protective. So anything He commands is always yes. for our good. He, he gives commands from the nature of who He is, right? His commands are not arbitrary, right? Yes. Yes. And he commands them not to eat of this tree. He tells them that they will die. So what is right is to follow the commands of God. Right? And also what is right is when you, is when we fail to follow those commands, punishment. Right? That is right. Because God speaks here that if you fail, you will die. Right? Where does death come from? Sin leads to death, but ultimately God withdraws your life from you. Right? The punishment of sin is death. Right? So here we find these truths coming out. We we find that, that who we are is relative to who He is. He's the Creator. We are the creation. Right? We are subject to His commands. Now, now get this. This is where we rebel. What do you mean that I'm subject to? Right? Like, even when we say that, like, even as I say that to you, there's a part of us that does not like to hear that we're subject to. Right? That's sin. 
That is sin. That is why it is that if you guarantee if you've got children and you want them to do something, command them not to do it. (laughs) Do not clean your room. (laughs) Right? Y'all understand what I mean when I say that, right? (laughs) Until I have kids. And then Caroline straighten us up quick. But what is that? There's, that's because we're rebelling against who we are. We're rebelling against our place. We're rebelling against our position. Like ultimately, we want to be God. There's, a, there's that sinful desire in us to, to rise above the place where we are to His place. Right? To know what He knows. Right? That's why we so often look around us and we cast judgment. We could have done it better. If I were God, it would not be this way or that way. Right? Because I know more. Right? So, so all sin does, does what wrongly. It answers the question, what is true falsely? It answers the question, what is right falsely? And it also answers the question, who am I falsely? Right? It does not answer that right. Because who are you? You are the creature, not the creator, right? You are subject to commands, not the giver of those commands, right? You do not determine from your nature what is right and wrong. Your nature is sinful, right? And we're going we're gonna to dig into that a little bit more as, as well. Let's, let's scroll down to... Uh, or flip over to uh, chapter 3 um, and we're going to look at chapter 3 verses 4 and I'm, I'll just start in verse 1. Uh, we're going to go down through verse 5 though. So now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field and the Lord that the Lord God had made and he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And sin says, right? But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. So what is true? What is true? You will die. What does sin say? You won't, right? He just created you. Why would he? Why? Well, like that doesn't make any sense. That it's not gonna hurt you right now. Right? Yeah. So sin, sin will manipulate. Like sin manipulates that truth. Sin doesn't speak truth. Sin doesn't say, yeah, when you do this, it's going to wreck everything. From generation. Yes. It says you can get away with that. No one will see this. It's a small thing. The consequences are little, right? With God's commands, too, because He says, we may eat of the fruit of the trees yeah. in the garden. Or He said, the woman, the woman actually, not the serpent, but the woman twisted that. You yeah. See that? So, so she, see, yeah. She said trees. Yeah. And she knew that God said the trees. Yeah. So, but the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. And, and, and he, not only does sin lie, but sin goes, goes pressing on into this. Like the, the underlying, well, why will you not surely die? Right? So, so 
it, it gets at who is who is God in this question. So uh, verse verse four there, the end of it, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. So what sin is saying here is that God does not have your best interests at heart, right? Like God says, don't for you'll die. Sin says, no, 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 no. God knows that this is going to make you better. And He does not want that better for you. Right? Yes. 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 For you will not surely die. So not only will you not die, not only will the truth that He's spoken earlier in chapter 2 not come to be, right? But you will be better off for it. Sin lies. Sin manipulates truth. What was right here would be not to eat of the tree. And what sin says is right is that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And here we find again where sin answers that third question uh, wrong. So the third question that we were kind of looking at, who am I? Sin says, don't worry about who you are because you can be like God. Right? You can be. You can rise above the position that your Creator has given you to be something better. Right? I wonder if the sermon sometimes like, calls her to do this, to question, okay, so when she says, don't eat of the Yeah. So here's the thing. Did Satan make her sin here? Right? Like, did he make her... So who, so, so, cause you look at this and we were like, well, say, and this is, we do this. We're like, Satan made me do it. I did that particular thing because the devil made me do it, right? Like, I did this, that, or the other because the devil made me do it. Like, where did the doing it come from? It's not like he took your hand and... Yeah, it's not like, let me hold you down and stuff this fruit in your mouth and make you, because what, that would not have been sin, right? Not on her part at least, right? But what happens? She chose to do it, right? Like this creature that God created who had... We get no picture of any kind of sin in coming prior to this, right? But now in this moment, presented with this false truth, this false sense of what is right and wrong, this false understanding of who you are and who you could become, has changed the way that her heart views the commands that God has given. And what happens? She acts. Right? But her sin came even before that. The desire to break the laws of God is sin. Right? The desires of our hearts. Like, we are broken in a very, like, very real way. You desire sin. Prior to Christ, that's all your heart seeks. Right? You may do what you would consider good, but even the, even the, the source of your actions of what we call, would call righteousness or good works is sourced from a place 
of sinfulness, right? So much so that, that, that Scripture would tell us that our righteousness is as filthy rags, right? Like the good that we do is filthy, right? It's tainted. Uh, so let's let's continue on. I want us to, to press on. I, actually, let me let me make sure that we finished up everything that we want to get out of that particular one. <laughs> Yeah, so let's let's press on. So from this moment on, now now so so we know the rest of the story. You could you could continue on. Adam's standing there as a bystander because um, she hands it off to him, and then he does it, and then God comes in, and then the fall punishment for this, the casting out uh, from the garden, all of that kind of follows up from there. Now we find ourselves where we are today. And I want us to look at a couple of different places. Like I want us to consider like what was the repercussions of this particular event on all mankind that came from them. Right? Why is it that from birth you have a tendency towards sin? Right? Do we here's we may not we may not all agree with it, but I hope that uh, as we read through the scriptures today that we come to, to to like understanding here is that from birth you are sinful. Fact, right? From before birth you were sinful. Your nature is sinful. Get this that if you being born were placed isolated from all other human beings on the planet, your tendency would be towards sin, not towards good. This is the state of your nature. You are by nature, prior to Christ, children of wrath. Right? Like, like this, is, this is important too because... Like when we consider the, the 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 necessity of carrying the gospel to others, we have to get past this idea that there are some who are innocent, undeserving of the wrath of God. There is none innocent in all of creation, save Christ, who has lived. Right, all fall short. So let's let's go let's go to uh, Psalm chapter fifty one. We're going to start in the Old Testament or move forward to the New Testament right here. And it all goes back to here. Yeah. So 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 your nature was changed there, right? Like we're going to find we're going to look in Romans chapter five in a little bit, and we're going to see that from that moment you were counted as having sinned in Adam. Right? Like, thousands of years before you were born, God said you're guilty. That's what Scripture teaches us about the original fall of mankind. Is that when Adam sinned, you sinned. Right? We all sin in Adam. Like, this, it's, I get it that it's hard to understand that. But that's the reality. God said that all mankind was sinful. In that single act, all mankind is sinful. Now here's the thing. What we would say would be that we're going, we want to bend to that truth, right? Because surely God did not say, right? Like surely God would not, right? Like surely He did not count, 
um, all of us under the work of one man, right? Like that's what that's what our heart was like. Surely you're not going to count me guilty in the work of this one man, Adam, right? But be careful with that heart because that's what he's done in Christ, the second Adam, right? He's counted you righteous in Adam by the one man, right? So, like, be careful with rejecting this, this thought or idea that God counted you guilty and stated it as truth then, way back then, right? You were guilty in Adam, fallen in Adam. Be careful rejecting it. In Adam all died. Yes, all died, right? So then in Christ, all may be made. Yes. Yes, and this is the hope of the gospel, right? So in the same way, we're going to find, Scripture says in the same way that we were counted guilty in Adam, right? In Christ, we find life and, and we find righteousness, right? So let's, let's look back um, a couple of different places in, in Scripture here. Uh, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 51, verse 5 particularly. Um, I'm going to start in verse 1. They'll have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. This is not saying that his that the act of his conception was a sinful act. What this is saying is that he was born, he was conceived, with a nature that was sinful, right? Is this the only place that says this? No, this is not the only place that says this. Let's flip over Psalm chapter 58. We're going to look at uh, some other some other scripture here. Psalm chapter 58. Uh, here we're going to be looking at verse uh, verse 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. Who's the wicked? Us, right? Like, let's be careful not to say them or this other people, right? Like, that's you. That's me. From birth, we are estranged, right? From the, from the womb. So we go astray from birth. It is what is this speaking to? When Scripture speaks like this, what is it speaking to? It's speaking to the nature and character of a person, right? Like you sin because you're a sinner. You sin. You sin because it's your nature, right? This is this is a, a hard reality for us to get. Right? We say like we say things like follow your heart and and and, and find your truth and, and this is like well you've heard these words before, right? Like like this is a like who's not heard find your truth? Right? Follow your heart. And script so that's the truth that we say. Right? That's the truth that, that like like it sounds good to our ears, right? Like surely you shall not die if you follow your heart. Right? Like, do what makes you happy. Find your truth. And Scripture says your heart's deceitful. Right? So let's flip over to, to uh, Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah 
Jeremiah chapter 17. We're going to look at verse 9. Alright? So find your truth. Follow your heart. And you shall die. Right? Okay? That's, that's real. That's real. Why? Verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Right? So like when the world says follow your heart, find your truth, you better be finding your truth in Scripture. Right? Not in your heart. Because your heart is deceitful and a liar. It's why we need a new one. Right? It's why we need new hearts. Because when Scripture speaks about your heart and your desires, it does not speak good of them. It does not lift them up and exalt them as the source of truth. It doesn't. Because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Your heart, prior to Christ, is desperately sick. Beyond understanding, right? Like, why is it that this sin or this sin or this sin takes place? Because the heart is wicked. Our nature, prior to the work of Christ in our lives, is sinful. Sinners are going to sin. Right? That's all. That's not because you live in this particular country or that and you have these particular external like cultural influences that are taking you in this direction or that direction. That's because you are sinful. That's why the church and is okay, when I say the church, I'm not talking about the blood bought church, but I am saying that we are blood bought sinners. But even Blake and I had this conversation last night and we were sitting there talking about how we can think that in Community, that in community that we can, uh, that that's the anecdote. You know, for singing, yeah. the more yeah. together we are, the, yeah. the, the better we become. Like, like well intentioned. Yeah. But that's not the antidote for sin. The more we're together, the more actually we should see the sin in each other's lives. And if we're together and without we, Scripture pointing us to truth, then we're doing none, no one any good. Right. The closer right? Heidi gets to me, the more she sees sin. Yeah. And the more we point each other to Savior, that He is the one yeah. that we need to be pointing each yeah. other to. And we were just talking about how easy it is for us to say, oh, when I'm with Dion, I get like more like Jesus. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need to just be helping each other focus on Yeah. Yeah, without without scripture like rooting us in truth, we would lead one another astray in community, right? Like that's the reality. That's why yes, they are critical. But to do it apart from scripture and the preaching of God's word and the right teaching of God's word, the studying of God's word, we would be a community group that would ultimately veer towards what sin. Right? This is this is the re- this is just reality. This is what happens. Let's flip now to uh, so the heart is good or bad? Deceitful. It's deceitful. Is it healthy? Is it leading us towards our truth, or is it leading us towards death? That's that's Jeremiah chapter uh, seventeen verse nine right there. So now let's flip to Ephesians uh, chapter two. 
We're going to be focusing on verse 3. I'm going to start in verse 1, though. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature, what? Children of wrath. Like the rest of what? Mankind. So is anyone excluded from this, from this statement? Right? Who are the children of wrath? All mankind. Right? And we are we once walked in these ways, he's saying here. We we once were by nature children of wrath. So the nature of mankind is not one that's going to find the right truth, right? So when we think about what's true, when we think about what's right, when we think about who we are, like we will not find those answers in our own hearts prior to Christ, right? In our friends, in our culture, in the world around us. We find that reality. We find the truth of who we are, of what is right, of what is true. Where? In the Gospel, in Scriptures, in the preaching of God's Word. Let's flip to Romans chapter 5. We're going to start kind of rounding third... Heading home. So Romans chapter 5. Now there is a ton to get into in this particular chapter. Um, This is a meaty, meaty, meaty chapter. And we don't have time for all of it. Um, I I would recommend that you spend much time digging into chapter 5 verses 12 through uh, through 21, if you want to understand the nature of man, the nature of the fall, the impact of, of breaking that command um, in the opening chapters of Genesis, if you want to understand that and then see how that applies or how that's likened to the work of Christ, um, spend a lot of time in this particular text. We're not going to be able to go into all of that uh Detail today. So, uh, chapter 5, verse 12 of the book of Romans. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so, so death spread to all men because what? All sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin was not counted where there was no law. So now here's, I want to, I want us to, to get something real quick. So, um, Sin leads to death, true? Right? So we have one command. If we look at the early books of, of the Old Testament, like we've got one command prior to the giving of, of like the, the commands that came following. Now we have generations and generations leading up to even like the flood, right? Where entire people, like no telling, an innumerable number of people were, were wiped out here and the one command that they, that they, that was given up to that point was don't eat of the tree. They've been cast out. There's, there's no new one to be given, right? So they're not sinning after the same way that, that Adam sinned in breaking that law. And yet what happens? Each and every one of them, what happens? They die, 
Right? So where did that death come from? Sin. From whose sin? Their sin? Adam's sin. Right? Like they were counted. Their death was counted in Adam. Right? So death spread to all men because all sin, for, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. So that's what he's saying. Like before the law was given to show us how bad sin was, you were still sinning. But sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, right? So the span of time between Adam and Moses where the law is given, death is still reigning because people are still sinning even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass for if many died through one man's trespass. So, so if I didn't say it clear enough before, all those that came after died because of who? Because of what? Right? And the free gift is not like the result of that one, one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, again, how many? Like what, what are we talking about here? Death's coming through Adam's trespass, right? Death reigned through that one man. This is the middle of verse 17. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. What trespass is this speaking of? This is speaking of the fall, right? This one trespass led to the condemnation for all men. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Again, do I, like, like this verse just keeps hammering this fact home. That you are in Adam, and Adam's sin we all fail. For as by one man's disobedience, the, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law that came, now, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through the righteousness, through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now let's flip back again um, to chapter 3 of the book of Romans. And we're going we're gonna to finish up with this. So we're going to do 3 uh, verses 9 and 10. We're going to look at uh, 3 verses 23 and 26. Alright, so, so the consequences of sin were catastrophic, right? Um, is there any that's excluded from this? No. We all die. We all find ourselves guilty in Adam and we go on sinning, uh, just the same. Um, what then? Are the Jews better off? The Jews had the law, right? No, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, no one is righteous, no, not one. Right? So like, 
There's no exception to this. There's no get out of jail free card. All find themselves in sin. All find themselves under the guilt of Adam. We all die. Right? We all die. In Adam we all die. The only hope for life, the only hope for overcoming uh, this reality is found in the gospel, is found in Christ. Um, verse, the end of verse 22, they're running into 23, and, and we'll, we'll just end with this. Um, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith this was to show that God's that to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus so so we find the fall in Adam we find the truths given to by God to Adam and Eve you will die if you eat of this tree we see grace in that he didn't just wipe them out immediately they died spiritually instantaneously right their sin spread to all mankind like one one sin one like what we would consider to be like trivial like I'm not going to beat my children if they eat some chocolate when I tell them not to, right? But I'm not God and my commands are not God's commands. The weight of breaking the law of God is death, right? Is death. And yet God showed grace in those early moments foreshadowing the grace that He would show ultimately in the work of Christ. Because if God said you'll die and they did not die, then God is a liar. Right? And yet through the grace of God, through the mercy of God, He had a plan that not only would He, uh, not only would, would He, um, show grace to them, but He would show Himself to be righteous in showing grace to them prior to a sacrifice that would ultimately answer that original truth that He spoke, that you will die. Right? Christ died in our place, right? Prior to God speaking that first truth to him, he had laid forth a plan to bring about the truth that we find here uh, in Romans chapter 3. And that we find in the work of God that not only is he just, right? Not only does he speak truth, but he is the justifier. He's the one that makes righteous the one like me and like you who find themselves uh, in sin. Um, he speaks for us the truth of Christ um, that if we would believe in Him that we would find life. Um, and as we find ourselves prior to Christ in Adam, so in faith we now find ourselves in Christ. Right? Um, though in Adam all die, in Christ all may live. Right? Like that's, that's the truth that, that Scripture speaks there um, it is important then uh, that we do not neglect the taking of this gospel to those who have not heard this gospel right
when we think about what is evangelism, like there are those who are dying seeking their own truth, which is a lie, right? Chasing the the desires of their heart, which is deceitful beyond understanding. And the truth that saves is the gospel preached of Christ and the work of Christ. And faith in that reality, faith in the truth of Christ is what takes us from that from that one reality of death into the reality of life and hope, right? Um, so it is important that we do not neglect uh, those who have not heard uh, the gospel. Let's close in prayer. Thank mm-hmm. you.